0: Side Views on Everton Football Club, hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Ryan. Unfortunately, no Alex today, but we are going to dive into Everton's 2-1 loss to West Ham United it was an ugly one and with it west ham complete their first league double over everton since the 72-73 season furthermore everton are the only side in the premier league to not win a single away game since the start of october wait, is that diabolical that's, wait that's not good is that that's bad right uh, i lost yeah that's that's bad that's bad ryan um it's it's pretty terrible and reflective of uh, how bad Everton were today and have been for seems like eternity but it really has only been, you know, several months here. But before we dive into instant reactions, just a reminder, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. If you want to follow us on social media, the links are in the description or you can go to linktr.ee/usatoffeepod. That's l i n k t r.ee slash USA toffee pod and a reminder as well to join our discord at invite.gg slash ATP. Again, links in the description. Check it out. But let's get into it right now. Ryan, why mince words here? Give us your instant match reaction.
0: Opportunity lost for sure. Um, We weren't that bad. They weren't that good, but score stands and when you start to get yourself in the position we're in with fine margins and we're not good enough to overcome them um, some good performances, but ultimately not, not good enough. Too many big mistakes.
1: Yeah. It, it just felt like a, I had incredibly low expectations going into this one. I didn't think we were obviously not the favorites West ham. It feels so weird saying that going into a match like this, so that West ham far and away playing much better, the better side, better you season think we had a shot better today? last couple seasons
0: you had no feeling that we had a shot
1: today at all well i mean my score prediction i think says it all i i optimistically predicted a one no win so yes i did think there was a chance i don't really know why and actually when i we'll, we'll get into the lineup in a second i think you know things went off the rails before they could even really begin for everton on the match day today and i think really really put us up against it from the first whistle but We did have a couple score predictions, you know, the uh, consolation prize for a day like today when Everton lose. We had FM Warrior 19 predicted 2-1 to the Bubble Blowers. We also had Shane and Carter F predict the loss correctly. I wanted to give a couple of honorable mentions in terms of score predictions. One to Eek West, who got the score prediction wrong, but did say, my bar is so low, I'll be happy if we have as many shots on goal as they have goals that did in fact happen. West Ham scoring two, Everton with two shots on target. And then Matt Clevy rhymes with Chevy with his score prediction of life is meaningless and nothing matters, which sums up my feelings on this Everton season quite perfectly,
0: if I might say so. Matt is our resident thespian, so I think for him to be dramatic like that (laughs) this seems befitting, but I would be lying to you if I didn't feel... Some of the same feelings, heart turning cold, darkness surrounding, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, we move on. I honestly wasn't that bad a performance. So it, no. it's not like one where you can look no. at and be like, we were absolutely embarrassed or anything. And West Ham is good. And they're definitely a good away from home. And we're not. So uh, you knew there were going to be fine margins. We would have had to play a pretty decent game to win. I don't think we played well enough to win. Maybe we played well enough not to lose, if you kind of know what I mean. But, um, I, I don't know. Deserved
1: outcome, maybe. I don't know. I, what do you think? No, I mean, I guess in what's so frustrating is the fact that we... It's not that we were embarrassed. It's that we weren't. And yet, it's just such fine margins. And in those pivotal moments of which there were several in this match... None of them or very, very few of them went Everton's way. And it just feels like we're not getting even the slightest sliver of luck when we need it so desperately. And that Fine is margins, what, though, more than anything we, in terms of the form. Yeah. Little
0: things though, James, you know, I, there's some luck, but there's also like a lack of precision in certain ways in certain places where whether you haven't played a lot or, and again, we had someone, you know, get hurt in warmups um those things matter you know and when the margins are already fine you know what I mean and yeah luck matters too luck it does
1: yeah it does um and again there were a few things we'll talk about Donny vandebeek in just a minute but Ryan why don't we just move into the lineups now and I think everyone is very much aware uh with West Ham's situation they're playing very well they're up and competing for Europe for the second consecutive season under David Moyes um and I think one of the big things here is that they are, unlike Everton, a rather healthy squad and can consistently roll out the same players week in week out.
0: Again, as usual, we play another team on the road and they're fully healthy. Um, West Ham has you have used twenty five players in the Premier League. That's fourth in the league, just just a little bit off the leaders at twenty three. Guess how many we've used? Thirty two. Thirty two, James. Thirty two. We've got lots of games left. That's the highest in league by at least two. And it's just, again, the same thing. Last year, we were first, you know, had the most again. Uh, It's brutal. West Ham have eight players with more than 2,000 minutes in the league in their squad. All all eight played today. Big shocker. Uh, In fact, I think their ninth guy was their ninth minute leader. Ryan Frederick's right back. He's really the only one that hasn't been a regular starter throughout the league. Everyone else has been there. We know Rice Suchek are kind of the stout, strong, tough guys. They're hard to play through down the middle. Um, They've also been fairly fortunate or really good at shooting the ball. I don't know if you realize this, but they're leading the Premier League at um, non-penalty expected goals versus actual non-penalty goals. Uh, Their differential is 6.6 per 90. That's best in league. Many stat heads would say, oh, they're lucky, but you know, Hey, you know, yeah, that's a big number. Honestly, I can't, we get some of that ever. Um, look, they're kind of a mediocre possession team. It's not a huge priority for them. They don't pressure high. Um, They love to hit kind of on the counter. Uh, They love to hit offset pieces. You will never see them try and dribble and beat anyone. Um, They will pass you to death and pass you up the field very aggressively and directly. I mean, I think they have the least number of dribbles in the entire league, and their percentage isn't real high either. That's West Ham in a nutshell. And they make good decisions when they get on the ball. They're smart, and uh, they're tough to play against. And you just don't want to concede first against these guys either. I know some teams have come back against them, but they still make it make it pretty hard. You know, I wouldn't say they're the most athletic defensive team in the world, uh, but they are stout and physical, and they're hard to play through. You know, one of the problems here, too, is when you look at Everton's lineup, once again, it had to be changed at the last minute, and we're already missing key guys again. I mean, when does it end, James?
1: Well, we've only got a little over a month left in the season, so (laughs) at least it will end, I can confidently say, mid-May, thereabouts. But we, of course, and, and to wind it back, you know, Pretty early kickoff on the East Coast, 9 o'clock, 8 a.m. The lineup drops, and I actually felt fairly decent about the selection that Frank Lampard went with, namely because he picked three midfielders, and it seemed like Alex Wobbe was going to get his chance at long last at the 10, backed by Donny Van de Beek and Abdullah DeCore, playing sort of the the defensive midfielders in a 4 2 3 one We, of course, also had Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, Damari gray Playing as the front three, which means Anthony Gordon drops to the bench. If you listen to our space at midweek, that was something that we kind of thought might be beneficial to the side to get those those three guys in and give Gordon a bit of a rest as well as giving him the opportunity to come on as a substitute. Um, and then we had, of course, Donnie Van de Beek pick up a muscle injury supposedly in the warm up. And Mason Holgate makes a very, very last second jump to play defensive midfielder. At this point, I'm really scared because we know what happened last time he was put in that position. He gave the ball away horribly a couple of times, had some really ugly fouls, and pretty much just looked utterly incompetent in every way, shape, or form. But we will get into his performance and the team performance. We also had Vitali Mikolenko come in at left back, John Joe Kenny at right back, supposedly Seamus Coleman is ill. Apparently every player in the Everton squad is just going to get ill in quick succession over the next several weeks because they just keep rotating in and out. And Andre Gomez and Nathan Patterson were injured, according to the manager. Lampard also alluded to the fact that Patterson probably would have got his first Premier League start today had he not been injured off the back of his strong international break performance. And then you look at the bench, and yeah, there's just, you know, Anthony Gordon, you got Branthwaite there, Rondon, El Ghazi, uh, Deli Ali, Isaac Price, Lewis Dobbins. So when Donny Van de Beek goes down, you're not really left with many midfield options. You probably could have brought in Ali, who obviously isn't going to play as a DM. And so Frank Lampard's hand unfortunately forced, and it put us, I think, on the back foot right from the get-go when you have a player who's just not familiar with that position, asked to do a certain role, and he was... I think Mason very conservative uh, to start, and um, uh, you know we saw how it played out uh, throughout the timeline, which we'll get into. John Joe Kenny at right back, I think, is a
0: problem too. I think that's a big drop off from Coleman. Um, we last week went into some data points and performance areas, and John Joe's performance, other than you know his first one or two um appearances where he did the cry turn and all that stuff he's he's been pretty poor so I, I think that's a negative as well he's really only played almost as a wing back, so that had me concerned but yeah i mean Vandebeek going down you're just out of midfield options what the heck do you do and i was already nervous about him and decorey basically playing as defensive mids anyway but i figured okay west ham may concede yeah. possession a little bit we might do okay um and you know holgate he did his best, but again, you could tell he's not familiar with the position. Um, when we look at the tactical lineup, we were really narrow. Uh, it almost looked like a 4-1-4-1. I would say if you, if you had to put a gun to my head, how did we play at least behind the ball? That's what the setup looked like to me. It's probably the best way to play Holgate if you know he's not super familiar with the position. I think it's more simplistic. It's physically challenging, but it's it's a little easier, at least in terms of defending. You keep most stuff in front of you. Um, it theoretically would allowed Awobi and Decorey to kind of go back and forth a little bit more. I think we had some problems in that regard. Um, you know, the one problem I also had with this, I feel like Frank pushed up the fullbacks a little bit too much at too many times, or at least they were a little too concerned about going forward at times, but, but to be perfectly honest, if they don't, you're not going to have numbers going forward and it does allow maybe the midfielders to step back. A little bit, but I, I just never thought that we were totally in the flow offensively. I thought we had some matchup opportunities out wide Richarlison had some chances. Don't think Don was particularly good, but, um, we were definitely trying to tuck inside on that left side and force the ball through a Wobby. Uh, Iwobi was really the one guy. He was our engine today. I mean, if it didn't go through him, we weren't really going to create too much. So we had some chances out left, but I, I also, I mean, I don't know how you felt. I felt like, Neither of the wide attacking players, Gray or Richarlison, really built any chemistry throughout the throughout the game with their their accompanying fullbacks. I don't know what your thoughts are. Michelinco made some runs, but they just didn't seem to quite have it together. You know what I mean?
1: Well, A, I just think they're, neither of them are really super comfortable going forward and certainly not all that capable. Uh, and I, don't, I think probably Richarlison and Gray are tuned into that fact. So there was a little bit, like you said, Michelinco getting forward. He was trying to to make stuff happen in John Joe too, but you know, they're never really going to provide us with a whole lot, even if they're involved, i.e. getting on the ball, it doesn't feel like they're really gonna make much happen. And I think that puts really just a lot of pressure on both Gray and Richarlison to make things happen themselves. Richarlison, I think coming off, you know, a strong international break performance for Brazil, looked hungry and looked at the races. Damari Gray, I think a little bit less. So I didn't think he was all too effective, but he actually ended up with with a decent match in the end. Um, go ahead, Ryan, you wanted to add something. Well, I think probably, so if you're looking at kind of average position in our shape, I
0: think we had some issues with the center halves kind of not being disciplined and staying together. I felt like they vacated their spot a couple times. They ran forward with the ball and that looks lovely and everything, but, um, neither one of those guys are, are Beckenbauer. And I felt like it actually, even on the, uh, on. One of their biggest chances was a play where Godfrey got way out out of sorts on the Uobi giveaway. Keene was upfield, and I, I don't know why they were doing that or what the point was there, but there was definitely a lack of disorganization on the back line, but that's what happens when you've got a new defensive pairing almost every week. And it was very obvious that West Ham was trying to tack down their left side at times. You know what I mean? They were shading, kind of Ben Rama was over there a little bit with Fournals. Antonio was going to the left Constantly Now, I don't know, uh, you know, we almost had Michael Keene matched up on him man v. Man most of the time, but I felt like they were kind of making a beeline for John Joe Kenny a little bit. And, you know, they break broke through a couple times that I wouldn't say they created a ton. Um, We looked relatively, I wouldn't say they looked relatively balanced when you look at the numbers, you know, it says 42% on the left side, 39% down the right side. I don't know how realistic that was, but man, were we tight. I mean, we were really con- condensed. Um you saw the big switch for them was was effective a couple times, but you know, I ca- I can't say that West Ham were great offensively. I feel like we made more mistakes than they made great attacking plays. I don't know what you think about that, James.
1: I mean, I'm I'm right there on that. It felt like anything good that West Ham did was just the byproduct of a gift. From Everton, a individual mistake, individual error, that put them in on goal, gave them, you know, we'll talk about it. Crestwell's free kick, given them chances in dangerous areas, and look, that's I think you know one of the more worrying things about today is no, West Ham weren't that good. Yeah, they're a better side in better form, but they didn't have to really get into that extra gear in order to beat us. I think we beat ourselves in a lot of respects, um, and and just quickly to your point on. I think the center halves, yeah, it does feel like Keane and Godfrey both had to drive forward a lot with the ball. And I think the first couple of times it works, it looks good. But you talk about a side in West Ham that are, by and large, pretty happy to concede possession and are just looking for that quick strike counterattack. OK, well, Michael Keane is up around the 18 yard box. What does that do for us when we turn the ball over as we repeatedly did? Puts us at a huge disadvantage and they were able to exploit it, but then you look again. Like you said, we went down the left thirty-eight percent of the time, down the right twenty-eight. So you know we weren't entirely one-dimensional in attack. In um, in terms of shot distribution, both sides really had similar shot locations. Uh, West Ham with fifty-five percent inside the eighteen, Everton was sixty-two, and the rest were for both sides were outside the box. So. They had a couple good chances. They made theirs count. We had a couple half chances that probably could have done better with and got really lucky with the deflection on the goal, which again, we will talk about right after this actually. Okay, James, we're back. Uh, let's get into the
0: timeline. We were just talking about kind of the the size of chances, and West Ham had two really big chances in this game. One was kind of two chances, and that swayed, the old, that swayed the old XG numbers and things like that, but let's go through it. There were a lot of interesting things that happened in the match, slightly depressing things at times, but I thought West Ham started out pretty well. Yes. Um, they were on the ball most of the time. They had more of the ball. Richie had this kind of crazy half volley, if you remember, in the seventh where John Joe kind of had a big cross in there and it was blocked. But I I would say in the 13th is there was a really big save by Pickford who denied Fornell's. This is yet another example where you have Michael Keane way up the field dealing with Antonio. Antonio gets rid of the ball and then takes off. And Keane is way behind him here. He can't get back. And I just feel like too often in a Frank Lampard teams, we're so vertically extended. It's just them running at our back line. Holgate was a little bit of step slow, too. And, you know, sometimes I can understand the criticism of, hey, why are we playing so far up? Um, Pickford does pretty well here. It it, it turned out to not be the biggest chance in the world. I I think for now, maybe didn't make the best touch on it. But I just didn't like seeing them running at our guys and having one center half like in in midfield. You know, I know you got to come out on Antonio. That's fine. But we saw the same thing against Spurs where Harry Kane was constantly pulling out center halves. Do you think this is something that David Moyes has seen already and just kind of expected and tried to exploit?
1: Yeah, and I think the the way that we set up so narrowly, they were really looking to spray the ball, look for that big switch, and I think I think this is the same chance where they made that switch and you had Mickelenco basically having to come in centrally and leaving the wide area wide open. Um and it, and it it's also a really it is a good save by Pickford. It's weird cuz he like pops it straight up and is able to just quickly grab it. But yeah, we we just like, looked at it. It was like a first football t- save and a really weird Yeah. Like it was, it was. And where we have problems is when West Ham get it and they want to transition, they are just ready to go. And frankly, We're Mikel wide Antonio open. is or wide was open. a real problem. Yeah. We're wide, wide open, open and often. and the recovery for, for yeah. They just had the space and time and made things I mean, we made things really easy for them when they can pretty much just have us backtracking, backtracking, backtracking and just put the pedal to the metal and and Force us out of our shape, out of our rhythm, and, and take advantage. You know, the sad part is, though, after that play, I felt like we settled down a little bit for a good
0: chunk there, maybe a good thirty-minute stress stretch. I mean, from about the 12 to halftime, Everton actually won the possession battle, 84% pass rate. We really weren't giving the ball up. Again, we only had three shots to West Ham's two, um, only one on target. Of course, that seemed to be a bit of the problem today. Um, but there was a moment in the 28th where I really thought that we had a good shot here. And uh, if you remember this, Wobi again, it seemed like everything kind of went through him today. He had a fantastic through ball where Richarlison made a great little run to kind of cut on the inside of Fredericks. I don't know how Wobi sliced the ball in between their guys to get it to him. Richarlison makes a great first touch because Fabianski comes out at him hard it gets by him, but it's not good enough to keep him away from Fredericks. He can't get to the ball after the first touch or else it's a goal. Um, I think he eventually got called for a foul, but I got to admit, when I saw this, I was like, wow, we haven't seen a play like that, a line cutting pass down the middle in a long time. So much of our attacks have been forced on the outside, and that's what you want from Richarlison if he's going to play up left wing. He's a virtual center forward. This would have been a nice one to have, but unfortunately, even though it looked like we were growing in the game, three minutes later... Unfortunately, we give up a bad foul, Holgate. And I I don't want to pick on a guy because I I don't want to keep... You can't really blame the guy for the bad foul in the ballast spot when they score any different than you would if they wouldn't. But this was a bad foul. It was an unnecessary foul. And you know, sure enough, we looked up and
1: bang, we're down 1-0. Yeah, Holgate just arrives a little bit late. He puts his foot in, gets nowhere near it, and it's a clear foul, clear giveaway, and you set up Aaron Cresswell to take what was a really really excellently placed free kick into the top corner pickford doesn't really have a prayer at getting to it Uh, i saw some people saying he maybe should have done better i just can't see it happening i think that's one of those you just sort of tip your cap and say well played maybe if you know his arms were a little bit longer had a slightly lengthier wingspan
0: you know it gets over the wall and i think you got to play it the only argument could be that did you need to play it so far around the wall on the other side it was a really wide wide wall you committed a lot of people Mm. to it could you have maybe shaded over to the middle a little bit more you still would have been fine going to your right um and if you're going to do that maybe cheat to the center a little bit when you move i I don't know who's going to get to this ball look pickford's strengths are maybe not his size and getting up to those top corners and shots outside the 18. He's better on low balls and in tight spaces. He's strong with his hands. I don't know. I, I Maybe a truly elite goalie gets to this. I, I don't know, but I think that's a little bit of a stretch. That's the only critique I'm trying to stretch. I think it was fine. I think it was a very well taken free kick. The only thing I could say is maybe his positioning wasn't as good. By the way, the XG, I think on Info, Info goal had this at five percent but again that's not post shot I mean that's about as good as you I mean it's really well placed
1: yeah it's 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 just really well taken and what's again so frustrating about this is they hadn't really done much up to that point it's right off the back of that excellent through ball from a Wobi. and I wanted to just quickly add on that through ball from a Wobi to wind it back so often we've completely missed that type of pass in our offensive game it's always you know play it around does outside of the 18 and then eventually settle for like a lofted cross and to have someone actually making the run and seeing the run and making a pass that cuts through the line. So directly was really encouraging. I took, I was, I was very optimistic after that because as you alluded to, we were, I think probably the better side. And then it just comes the other way. We give away a free kick, they score and boom, we're down one nil. And it's like, okay, well what's this team got now? Are they going to capitulate? Are they going to fold? And immediately following the goal, it felt a little bit like that might happen because in just two minutes later, Mikel Antonio, again, posing problems for Michael Keane all day, is like rolling off the back of Michael Keane or roll, trying to roll out wide, and Keane just has no choice but to take him out and pick up a yellow uh, with a lot of game left at that point. So that puts Keane in a precarious position. A little alliteration for you guys. Um, and we obviously know what would would go on to happen but he was really struggling with antonio the entire match other than obviously the couple cards i i was obviously he was given the armband which was a talking point people have been really frustrated with michael keene this season some individual errors of which there were some today but i just i just have such a hard time because he does so often especially like until the card looked pretty composed and pretty with it for the most part and then he just does these kind of boneheaded moves that that
0: are incredibly costly we'll get to the second half and the tackle but besides that i also que- i question a little bit look this is what we do on the american to- toffee podcast we look at we try and look at things objectively and i got nothing really against frank lampard but i really question the 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 tactic of having Ch- Keane chase antonio all over the place what does he think is going to happen there? Is he going to win the ball and knock it down and we take it and go the other way? I, I just don't understand. I think it just put us out of position so many times and we've already seen it a couple times against teams that I just question the the ideas around it. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. If Donnie Beek's in there besides Mason Holgate, Maybe maybe that's part of it. You know, you really don't have a defensive mid. You've got really one guy who's decent in the air and you can't have Antonio just knocking down everything and winning it. I get that. But that being said, do I really care if Antonio knocks one down at midfield? Do I really care? Like, do I need my center half, my right center half chasing him 50 yards across the field? I I think sometimes maybe you want to concede that. I just felt like it got us out of sorts sometimes. And I just feel like we should be a little stronger and sturdier and tougher to beat and, uh, we just gave up a couple really big chances. And, and part of it was for that, that type of thing. Look, Keene had two tackles. He had three interceptions, three clearances, two block shots. So, I mean, he, he, he put in a shift or he did some things positive when he was in there. He was being asked to do, do a lot, you know, I, I don't know. That was, we didn't think anything of it. It was a deserved yellow. I mean, Antonio has gone basically if he doesn't take him down, um, But the funniest part about it is I kind of forgot about it because in the 39th minute, holy Jordan Pickford, look, you could say what you want about Jordan Pickford, maybe in his small and short passes, you know, but let me tell you what he's forced or asked, or maybe by choice, launching the ball a lot, but there aren't too many better from a long distribution standpoint. Maybe he's a little inconsistent, but man, he pings it sometimes right on the money and it can be dangerous. And if it, if it gets you a couple goals a year, it matters. This was a phenomenal, phenomenal boot. Richarlison did incredibly well, too, kind of taking it from Fredericks. And, I mean, y- you can describe the action on this one, but, man, he did not miss by much, and the shape on the shot was absolutely gorgeous. I just, this is another one, James, you look at and you're thinking, oh, my God, was that close. It was a really big chance. Fab- Fabianski, I think, comes out and gives a good angle. I thought Richarlison had scored when he hit it. It just looked like it was destined to go in the corner, but it was not to
1: be. The outside of the foot, the shape on it, it's just sort of curling, lofting, and it just goes just over the bar. Uh, Really painful because it was, again, the long ball kind of out of nothing, and we haven't really had many of those opportunities, but Pickford, all credit to him for the placement and Richarlison for seeing the opportunity and running onto it. It's just not there. It just wasn't there, and you could tell it was really frustrating for him, and that would have been really, really nice to equalize. Before half, unfortunately, we just, again, we're not getting those finishes in those moments where we need them and that's the fine margins that make or break a season um and then three minutes later this one i thought we got ourselves in a little bit of trouble
0: this one i thought so too this one this this one really ticked me off because i think this is kind of the problem basically today at times where you've got your left center half all the way basically on the left side of the field terrible giveaway he's way out of position this point Thank God Fornell's made a crap pass, basically, to Ben Rama behind him, who eventually gets it, fires it, and, he sp- and Mikel Antonio splits Keen and Godfrey. Well, it's not hard when Ben Godfrey is 40 yards away from him, and, and Keen was away from it at times, too, during today. I, I just think that's a problem. He can't get back. He splits him. I think Pickford is really slow off his line here and gets incredibly fortunate. Antonio should not have gotten that touch right before him. He should have been all over it, but he hesitated a little bit, I guess. Um, Antonio, I think, just makes a heavy touch here and then hits it side netting. But this is a massive chance that a forward with maybe a little bit more subtlety, I think, buries this. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, we get we get lucky and that. Teams will craft great chances and not finish them. But we don't get the luck of like the Richarlison shot dipping just under the bar to go in the back of the net. So this we is a big are chance, fortunate though. not to I mean, be down two-nil. Is... Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. And and Pickford, who by and large, I thought was pretty good today. He made some especially in the, you know, early stages and then in the second half, had some big moments. Um, but doesn't come off his line quick enough. And Antonio's just I just feel like we made him look so much better than he actually is. Yes, he's good. And he's been getting a lot of plaudits lately, but we really just made him look like an absolute monster today. And I just don't think he's quite that. And that takes he's us good. to halftime. Where... Yeah, I, and you look at those stats yeah, he's at good. halftime he's good games. Good
0: they don't look that one-sided. It's not like I, I can understand probably being objectively being down 1-0 is probably not crazy, but you kind of look at this and say, well, you know, you're even in shots. Yeah, we conceded some possession, but it wasn't like we were giving the ball away. I I don't think either team was consistently generating offense. You know, it almost seemed to be like the one-off, mostly mistakes that we made. You know, I I really don't think that they were doing an amazing job picking us apart. They were somewhat clinical, the opportunities we gave them. uh, And one free kick went in. I mean, that's really what it was. You know, we had a couple big chances too. You know, Richarlison had two big ones. So maybe you could argue one nil was a little bit harsh. The one thing I would say, though, looking at the first half, I really wanted to see more from the right side. I thought Damari Gray had some chances. He looked dangerous moving around with the dribble, but sometimes he dwells on the ball a little bit too much. He kind of stopped. He wasn't playing overly directly. But if he's not having support on the right side, I can't entirely blame him. I think Damari Gray is a lot better on the left side, though, and I think we just have had that conundrum for a long time where we have all these players that if we play three forwards, they're all left-sided players, you know, and I think that's that's kind of a problem. Uh, anything you noted, at least in the first half, James, before we get on with it?
1: No, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head at Damari Gray. Not involved quite enough, I think. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, also really not quite at it. He had a couple decent moves, but... Yeah, other than that, just the things we've already talked about in terms of the fullback involvement, I just, how far we've come from the discussions of John Joe Kenny potentially getting an extension where like he just is so out of place in this team and offers very basically nothing at this point, unfortunately. Um, And then, you know, Mason Holgate, bar the really bad foul and the fact that he looked really uncomfortable, I actually liked some of the things that I saw from him given how last minute it was his inclusion in the side in that position. Um, And I thought actually DeCore had a decent first half in terms of driving the ball forward, recovering it Uh, that would fade, I think in the second half, but he stood out to me, especially when it's like, okay, well, you're going to have this partnership, you and Donnie. And then all of a sudden it's like, actually, you're pretty much going to have to do all the midfield stuff. And we're just going to ask Mason to sort of sit in front of the back line and defend.
0: Yeah. I thought his second half went downhill pretty quickly. He had some loose touches too. Uh, But again, that's what happens. I mean, these guys are, not making it easy for us at times. And you got to be concerned about the lack of backline behind you. I, I really think that does a lot to you, you know, like you almost seem so concerned that you can't play with any freedom because you're afraid if you lose the ball, it goes back the other way. And well, we saw what happened when you do in the second half. So, uh, I guess without further ado, let's get into it. I, I still had some hint of optimism, but I just thought they'd be tough to break down. But I thought if we could sneak a goal in, I didn't see them generating a whole lot. um, I will say this. I love this chance in the 50th minute. This is another great play where Owobi's down the middle and does some danger. Uh, Declan Rice has a heavy touch here. He's under a little bit of pressure. Owobi picks it up and takes off with it. This is another terrific through ball. I'll tell you what, Alex Owobi can really pass the ball at top speed pretty well. Again, he doesn't connect on all of them, but they're at least dangerous enough. And this is why you want him as close to goal as possible with people in front of him. It's on Dominic Calvert-Lewin's left honestly he does pretty well with this one i know a lot of people say oh dom how could you not it's on his left he skims the post he did have time it was a soft pass it was a great run but again this is
1: it's everton right now you know when are these going to go in for us please dear god soon yeah and again just capping off a of really and this would be sort of the end of the Awobi praise i think as he would go on to have obviously the air shortly thereafter but I really was so thrilled to see him performing at a high level and sort of being our main creative influence and just looked really dangerous in those central areas, drawing defenders and just having the vision to thread those passes through and, and our forwards actually looking to make runs because they know there's someone that's going to be looking for looking to to connect with them. Um, And this was a good example of that. And Woby would go on to have a couple more key passes in the second half that said in the 53rd minute, Everton have their breakthrough big moment it would be short lived as we all know but it's on a corner and it feels like I don't know there's a sort of renewed sense of optimism around Everton corners at least speaking for myself personally I felt good about this the corner comes in Fabianski punches it uh, Richarlison gets it back there's a little scrap tippy tap bouncing around Mason Holgate falls to him Maybe the the last person you'd expect to score, but he rips a volley, takes a wicked deflection, and it goes into the bottom corner. Everton equalize, and hope springs eternal. We're going to win. We're going to come back. These boys are showing fight and resolve, all the good things, and the, obviously that didn't last very long. But it was uh, – I don't even know if you can say it's well worked. It's a bit lucky. It's the type of luck that we've desperately needed for a long time, and I finally got a little bit of. What do you mean luck?
0: I mean, that was an incredible shot. Perfect technique. He banked it right off him. It's like in pool, you know, it's like a bank shot. Anyone can do that. It's just geometry. And Mason Holgate clearly has an advanced exactly like concept he of it. Um, right. Uh, in his defense, he did strike it pretty well. The technique was pretty good. But yeah, I mean, it went deflected straight into the back corner. Um, but yeah, this is the break you need. And this is when you tighten up, play solid, don't concede. Not saying you play for a point, but you play smart. Take the air out of it. I mean, you want West Ham to come at you. Like, I, I would just play around with the ball in the back. West Ham is not going to press you high. And if they do, they're not going to be comfortable. You can play past them. What did we do? Not not so much that. Uh What, we had the lead for maybe five minutes. It felt like two after the celebration. I don't know how to describe what the heck happened here. I know everyone's like a bad touch. And it was a bad touch by Oksa and in, in not the best spot. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not even, I mean, it's well over midfield. It's not even in our own zone, but Michael Keane, once again, starts carrying the ball to the middle with Mason Holgate, like almost right next to him. I don't know what was going on there. It was totally bizarre. DeCorey is up between the lines. Like he's, he's got his back to the goal in a dangerous spot. So he's got the defensive mids collapsing on him, which is great. Suddenly there's opportunity and space elsewhere. Keane goes to a Wobie, You kind of, I don't know if he takes his eye off it or he was surprised or it takes a little bit of a heavy touch off his left foot. now's, of course, magically happens to be right there. I'm not sure why he was right there, actually, if you really look at it, because it's kind of like. Were you on gray? Because you shouldn't have been on gray. Is it because John Joe just starts waltzing forward, ignoring what's behind him? What is he doing on this play, by the way? I mean, he literally just kind of starts walking. Holgate's standing still, too. Um, but it's a bad touch and it's in a dangerous area. And it's just a one touch tap, bang. Fornells hits it perfectly. Mikalinko magically keeps Antonio on side. And frankly, that's even stranger because he was just only stepping back to give Keen an outlet when Keen had the ball. I'm sure he didn't think, oh, Michael Keane's going to dribble it up through the middle, Like, because why would you do that? I, I don't know what I can say here. I mean, Antonio makes a heavy touch or two. Pick does really well here, kicks it out to the left, of course, right to Jared Bowen. And even worse, Mankalinko goes down to block it. If it's on the ground, he probably stops it. And he manages just to chip it over him with what his right foot. It was just... It was unfortunate, dumb, bad luck, but also bad decisions and bad touches. And I just felt bad for Alex Iwobi because, I mean, not often when you give the ball up right there is it go back in your own net. But, but, I mean, the guy had a phenomenal match for the most part. I mean, he rarely made a bad touch the whole entire time. I mean, seriously, he had one bad touch, one dispossession, and he had the most passes of anyone on the team four key passes, four for four and long balls. 92.3% pass rate second on the entire team. Only Gray was better with 52 passes. And then you look at that and that's ultimately what happens to you. That's your fate. Cruel, man. It's just cruel. And that's kind of him in an Everton jersey in many ways.
1: Yeah, and that's what people were really upset about. And you I think where you keyed in on it, Ryan was was really a just I think nail on the head we're in West Ham's half when we give this ball away. It's not often that you concede possession in that area and it ends up costing you, but this is what West Ham, you know, they're bread and butter. This is turn it over. And Antonio's just waiting on that back shoulder. I don't even know if he was trying to, you know, if he's, he's, he's looking across the line so he can see Mikalenko who's dropped, even though there's no one within no West Ham player within 20 yards of him plays him on. And, Again, Pickford does well to make the initial save. We don't drop quickly enough to defend Bowen making the follow-up run. But the little chip over the top, I don't know, it's it's the, the them's the breaks, I guess. But that one was really now, pay killer. Attention, though. And it just hey, seriously is man so hey, attention. brutal.
0: Look at it. I'm sitting there, we have a screenshot up on our on our dock. We actually prepare for the show, believe it or not. Um, and you're looking at it, and you're you know, this is where Keen is passing the ball over to a What is the back line doing here? Like, I I just, it's, it's just mystifying. I mean, Godfrey's kind of on the left center. I I don't know why Holgate's standing there. I mean, staring at the ball in front of him. John Joe Kenny is waltzing forward. I just don't, it's a lapse of concentration too, by all of them, by a as well. Like, what did we think was going to happen? Isn't this the moment where you just need to be on it, right? You need to be intense on it. Maybe Iwobi's we'll trying to do too much by dropping back this deeply, because I felt like people stopped moving a little bit at this point. You know, I, I don't I mean, can we explain yeah. this
1: or is it just kind of harsh? I don't know. Well, the pass isn't good. It's a bad touch from a Wolby, but he's you know, McKean doesn't do him any favors. Furthermore, of all the options in that moment to go to Alex Wobey probably isn't even really one of the, s- the smarter ones because you're not moving the ball very far and you're not certainly escaping any of the west hand pressure because there's still two defenders right there and we're so compact and narrow that it almost would have made sense for just reverse it and go out wide to to make on the left but doesn't that's water under the bridge yeah I agree it just looks a little discombobulated and um, it ends up costing us an Antonio. You know, they didn't look dangerous wrong side this of you point, makes they didn't look dangerous at this point but that's what I mean yeah, it's the same gone. thing right like, okay this well point. they weren't dangerous we concede the free kick they score Until they don't dangerous. look dangerous we're actually pretty comfortable in possession that one moment and then they're in and give them a chance so then it's two one and it felt I think for me at least like there was very little chance of us getting back in I thought okay we fought back from one deficit that's new. That's novel for this team. Two might be a bit beyond their capabilities at the moment, given the low confidence in the side.
0: Now, I mean, we did it a little bit earlier in the year, only because we put ourselves in bad situations, mostly due to poor tactics and just bad ideas and people in the wrong spots. But I will say this: at this point, West Ham looked like they were sitting back. They were in a concede possession, and I'm thinking, all right, look, it's going to be tough to break them down, but at least we'll be on the ball, and maybe we can make a change or two and see what happens. And then the 65th minute, everything goes out the window. I, I don't I don't understand this play at all. Uh Keene makes a nice play to clear across, but he clears it kind of down the middle. A will be to Corey, kind of fight for a ball a little bit here. Comes back out. Dawson steps in, kind of collides with Dominic Calvert Loon, hits it back in Antonio. I, I don't even know how intentional that really was. Top of the 18 and Keene goes to ground here. Goes to ground to try and win the ball. I, I don't I don't understand what possessed him to possibly do this. And he deserved a yellow. I mean, he took him out in a terrible space too. It was almost I mean he was in a better spot almost than where Cresswell made the first one. Right. And just, this is another right. moment of just complete lack of concentration and at this point, I mean down a guy, I mean, yes, I'm glad that we won against Newcastle down a guy, but th- these guys aren't Newcastle, and this isn't it Goodison. I'll tell you what—he didn't miss the free kick by much either, and Pickford didn't even move on it. Uh, what do you think Keane's thinking here, James? And and this also—I mean, this kills us too because he's now he's out for Burnley.
1: Yeah, you said it. It's the concentration lapses that have plagued Michael Keane all season, right? I mean the the angle of the foot to try to get a clearance, and it ends up in the back of the net. The complete lack of situa- situational awareness to acknowledge the fact that you're on a yellow and you're going to ground through the back of a guy at the top of the 18. It just is so boneheaded that it really makes you question like what, what the heck he did in the week to earn the armband because he's clearly, maybe that was just a gesture from Frank, like, Hey, you know, need a confidence boost, but that is amateur hour stuff in terms of situational awareness. I mean, that's like, you know, calling a timeout when you have no timeouts left in basketball or something like that, Chris Weber style. Um, it's just That's never really happened. poor, uh, <laughs> incredibly costly, and completely killed the chance of us getting a,
0: getting anything from the match. The most amazing part about this is earlier in the week when we did kind of a review of performances, what what did we note about Keen? Keen's something like 63rd out of 71 center halves with more than 500 minutes in the Premier League and fouls like he rarely fouls. And then he commits three today, two, end up right. taking himself off. His win rate out of those center halves, number one defensive dual win rate in the entire league at 81%. Well, he didn't win that one, and he committed a foul and got himself sent off. It's just, it is, it's pretty out of character from him, to be perfectly honest. And, you know, I don't know what's in the guy's head or anything, but I totally understand why someone would look at that type of play and say, there's something there in his head, you know, he just just kind of lost it or he lost concentration. or He was frustrated. And this is the stuff's got to be wearing on guys. But yeah, this is the one. I mean, this is the one. Has he had a, a red card in his entire career up to this point? I don't believe he has. I don't see anything. No, he, he may need not to get have. many yellows. I think he had one yellow in the league this year. Not in the league. I don't think I don't think ever. So it's totally uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic of them, but that's, you can't do that now. Like we can't be making mistakes like this and whether or not we could have got back in the match or not. I do think it was possible West Ham, even though you'd think they'd be great killing leads, they've given up some goals late against teams. So I don't know. This one was just, it's just heartbreaking, you know, and at this point, and we had some chances, but it was pretty much seeing the sucker out until the stupid drama at the end, which was kind of irrelevant, but it was just classic premier league officiating. Um, this, you know, it's just really depressing. That one was really hard to watch. When you saw it, you're just like, oh, no, again. Like, the Elan thing was absolute garbage. We all know it was a garbage call. And that killed us, too, because he wasn't there today. I mean, what a difference this game is if he's in the middle. You know what I mean?
1: Just to give us someone else some energy. Totally. Heavens. And it's e- um, and it's easier to get, I think it's easier to get enraged when you feel really hard done by the referee. Whereas this was 100% the correct call. I mean, that's a second yellow every single day, hundred percent of the time. So there's no dispute about it. Well, it's just this feeling of resignation. Like, yep, that's a red. I mean, I don't know why he thought he could get away with that. It's incredibly stupid, but here we are. So that's the game. I guess we just, you know, threw it away. We threw it away both in conceding the goal and then killing any opportunity of, of us being able to get ourselves back into it. And then, yeah, the Cresswell thing at the end with the kick on Richarlison in the face was just icing on the cake. Like, okay, well, you know, we're just not going to get any of these calls. We're not even going to get these things reviewed. And I don't think, really candidly, Richarlison doesn't do himself any favors by doing the like quadruple pirouette roll on the ground, like he got his face, you know, mauled by a pit bull. But it's one that should at least go to the monitor. And, and on the replay, it looks clear. I mean, the play's dead. He takes a kick at his, the ball, which is right by his face. How is that not a card? How is that not a sending off? It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, he's he's out of the game for me if you do that. It's absolute dirty. He knows exactly what he's doing. He lined it up. He stared at him the whole time, but apparently that doesn't matter. The only thing I'll say about this, yes, Keen deserved second yellow. No problem. But how many times have we seen other guys commit a foul that should have been a deserved second yellow, and they never seem to leave the pitch? It's happened so often, and it is garbage. I mean, I, I don't, I don't disagree. It's just hard when you see that. You know it's the right call then you see something like a lawns red card which you know it's completely the wrong call it's just it adds up it is you know we have a listener comment that kind of talks about it a little bit but it's frustrating um look summary if you look at it info goals got it at 1.98 xg versus 0.7 so keep in mind their model counted both chances like the Antonio and the Bowen chance kind of together collectively. So it's like greater than one, which is not possible. Thankfully, StatsBomb does not. So my guess is these numbers will probably be a little closer than you think. Um, but really, look, they had two big chances. They had Antonio's chance in the 43rd and they had th- the second goal. That's it. That's really, I mean, Fournals had a decent chance in the 12th. That is it. And ultimately, we had a couple half chances, which we got a goal on. They scored one on Creswell, and that's it. I mean, that really is the difference in the match. And I would argue that the Richarlison two through balls were as good a chances as any they had. Maybe Fabianski did better with it. So it's just, you got to make your chances. I mean, that's really what it what it comes down to. Um, I would, Yes, I would like to see us create more um, yes, I think we need to be a little more dynamic, but I just feel like when we try and do that, we get too expansive and, and we're open on the counter and we saw a couple of those moments today and I don't know what we do going forward, but man, this is a big game coming up this week.
1: Yeah. Incredibly big. Um, obviously Burnley on Wednesday is, I don't know if, how many times in the last couple of years have we been like, this is the make or break game. But this really does feel like if we don't escape with at least a point that, you know it does. It's, and it and this didn't feel like a, a backbreaker. Like there's still plenty of hope, but we really need to beat Burnley because if they beat us, you know it's a six point swing, and all of a sudden they're I think one point behind us, breathing down our necks. We're level on matches played. Uh, one thing before we get into kind of the summary and some of the really good listener comments we had, Ryan, um, we didn't even mention the fact that Anthony Gordon came on as a substitute in the 78th, but that was the only substitution that Frank Lampard elected to use. Are you okay with that, given the sort of lack of options on the bench? You know, he wasn't really going to be able to make any midfield changes. But when you're chasing a game like that, it feels like you really need to utilize everything you can.
0: I don't get it at all. I don't at all. None. Don't get it. Doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Um, I don't know if you put Rondon on for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and then people are like, yeah, it's Solomon Rondon. Um, I I don't know what you do, but I I just don't don't see why (laughs) – why well, you don't make a change it's uh, mind boggling to me but you know you don't leave rounds in the that's, chamber right, i think is, I guess what you all. don't do right that's
1: a very american way to say it yes i agree <laughs> yes yeah well it is the american toffee pot anyway yeah you're right and again just find margins and uh, let's get into the listener comments before we wrap things up we had first at phil addy at mbp uh, said, individual mistakes killed us. Thought we played better going forward than in weeks past. Awobi with some very good through balls, and then f's it all with a poor giveaway. Keen's just keen liability unless next Mina Next match is massive, which is a pretty good what five line summary of this episode and our description so far. Uh, we also had Nebula nineteen seventy nine with an at of the same uh, same spelling and numbers. By some margin, the strongest away performance under Lampard, no naivety, compact shape plus game plan, undone by a piece of poor control by a Wobby who was doing well to that point, plus some foolish fouls. Nothing wrong in that setup. Team showed resilience on the road for the first time. I think, Ryan, and I may be mistaken here, is this the first time in under Lampard's tenure where we've conceded less than two XG away? It's close to it. Well, certainly we were averaging like, like two and a half, three for a few games.
0: Yeah, I should know this because I literally did it the other day on the pod. Um, I think you're right, and so yes, by that state, uh, Nebulas right, it was the best away performance. I, I still don't think it was great <laughs> just because I saw a lot of breakdowns, but I think you've got to stick with the form, the the system um the formation and go with it at this point. I, I really think you do. You gotta go with something so that people can start to gel and game some chemistry. That's the only way we're gonna beat some of these better teams. I think you've got to come back with it again. I think three in midfield does help. Um the back line has got to get it sorted out. I don't know if we've got the guns to eventually do it, but we got to win this one against Burnley. I mean a tie, I guess, is not the worst thing, but This is it. This is the season. I mean, I really think if we lose this, we can go down very, very much. Uh, I I think if we win, it's going to be tough for Burnley for sure. I I really do. Um, and man, we just need the win to go in that Manchester United match with something, you know, I mean, I I just, we'll see, we'll see what kind of character these guys have, but we cannot be making, making the mental stakes we had, we had today. Um, I think Adam makes some good points here, and it, it kind of adds on a little bit what we said about the officiating, but it's a pretty common thread. A good comment, though, nonetheless.
1: Yeah, Adam at Adam Dowling01 said, Red card was deserved. Should have been a few extra yellows shown to the Hammers, though. Overall, mostly crap match. A couple moments where we looked good, but couldn't string it together for the match. Dot, dot, dot. Again. And then Yorkshire Toffees at Y Toffees. We beat ourselves again. Yeah, I, we just did. Like the only chances that West Ham really capitalized on were ones that we spoon fed them and gift wrapped them. Uh, and then, lastly, for comments, we have Christian Polanco, a friend of the show from the Cooligans at Chris Polanco. The three lines repeating We can't lose to Burnley. We can't lose to Burnley. We can't lose to Burnley. So we look ahead to Burnley on Wednesday. Michael Keane will be out. Hopefully, Seamus Coleman returns from illness and is able to play. Otherwise, we're looking at a center-back pairing of Godfrey and Mason Holgate, which should fill absolutely zero people with confidence, except perhaps the Burnley front line. And just to check on the table, look, we're still in 17th, still above the drop zone by three points, above Watford, on t- Everton on 25, Watford on 22. We, of course, have two games in hand over Watford, even on matches played with Burnley, two games in hand on Norwich who are absolutely dropping. It feels like it's us, maybe Leeds, maybe Watford. It feels like Newcastle, even though they got absolutely thrashed today, are probably going to have enough to stay up. I don't know, Ryan, how are you feeling about the scrap that we still can't, I, I'm still in disbelief that we are having these conversations week after week about the relegation fight, but here we are.
0: Leeds looks too good now. I I don't think we're going to be able to catch them, even though we've got three games at hand. It's us and Burnley, man. That's the way I look at it. Um, You know, Wadford, I just don't think they're going to have enough, um, even though they're capable of occasionally scoring some goals. Oh, never mind. That's only against us. Um, Yeah, I, I just think that's who it is. That's who it is. And if we win that match, I think it makes all the difference in the world. But man, if we don't win that match, I know it's a turf more. I get it. Um, we are in some serious trouble because the rest of the way, we've got a lot of tough fixtures. That being said, I think if Frank stays, pra- if we win and Frank stays pragmatic, I think we'll be okay. He's just got to pick some guys and stick with them. And please, dear heavens, if Yeri Mina, even Delph would help if he could get back. I'm just hoping Coleman's not too ill because I think that is, Seamus, I know, has taken a lot of flack this year, but he's actually been okay. And okay is actually pretty good for right back for us right now. Um, because John Joe, Kenny is not the answer anymore. I just, he just doesn't have it, man. I'd almost, I probably, yeah. I mean, I would almost rather go with Patterson if you're going to play John Joe and just tell me to play back a little bit deeper and try and take advantage of Patterson's athleticism and attacking ability. Uh, I know that's a dangerous thing in the back four, cause we've talked about why that would be, but Coleman's in a major upgrade over both these guys. We need him back badly. I mean, really badly.
1: Agreed. Really agree. And Wednesday's going to be absolutely massive. Unfortunately, I'm not sure how much of the match I'll be able to catch because I'll be headed back into my office for the first time in over two years since COVID. So it's going to be very weird being back. I'm hoping I'll be able to maybe catch some of the match, but I think Alex and Ryan, at the very least, will be with you guys for the post-match following Burnley, hopefully bearing good news and recapping a majestic Everton victory that sees us hopefully... see our way out of this relegation fight but stay tuned for that otherwise we thank you very much for listening to this episode if you enjoyed it please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice a reminder like we said at the top the links to all our socials are in the description please follow us on all socials at usa toffee pod and join our discord invite.gg atp we'll see you next time until then up the toffees